Before I get started on today's Mortcast, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block. Uh, if you're like me and you enjoy wine, uh, and if you're like me and you enjoy sitting around in a great, great establishment with a tremendous atmosphere, I would highly suggest you going into Blanchard Family Wines. I discovered them, quote-unquote, uh, last summer, and it was a great place to go. I, I really enjoyed myself, and every time, subsequent time I've got on, gone in, I've brought a different friend, and they've all enjoyed themselves as well. Whether you like red, white wines, whether you like wine cocktails, if you're not a big wine uh, con- uh, connoisseur or consumer, uh, they have it all. Red, white, Cabernet, uh, Pinot Noirs, where they specialize because of their vineyards in Sonoma County. Um, it's just all around a great place to go. They are located uh, between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, uh, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the brand new dairy block, and uh, just a little down the way from the milk market. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Uh, today, I, I kind of want to go over uh, a subject that's not going to uh, please everyone. Um, and it's definitely a subject that is tricky to get into, considering the Nuggets uh, did beat the Atlanta Hawks last night, getting riding the ship after a bad loss to the uh, Washington Wizards the game before. And I think we need to separate our view of the Nuggets into several different aspects. And I think, I think where I would choose to, per, to uh, kind of analyze this is very real complaints and very fake complaints. Um, the, public, the viewing public is conditioned by NFL football. Um, very much a, uh, we have 16 games, every single game means a lot. There's one game a week. If we lose a game, the sky is falling. And uh, this has been happening for a while, and people uh, kind of have a hard time adjusting. If you're not a hardcore basketball fan, you have, they have a hard time adjusting to the pace of other sports, be it baseball, be it basketball, be it uh, even hockey. Uh, it is different. Um, the seasons are completely different. Uh, they, there's far more games. You, you play in baseball, you play series. In the NHL and NBA, it's a long 82-game season. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a different vibe. It's a different atmosphere. And I think the way football kind of infects the way people think. And it's hard for them to adjust to the marathon-esque aspect of uh, basketball in particular, since we're talking about the Denver Nuggets right now. Um, I think, and as in the years that I've been watching Denver Nuggets basketball and the NBA in general, um, you can count uh, on at least three or four games a year if you're not a super team or if you're not the 96 Bulls or the 2016 uh, uh, Golden State Warriors. Uh, you will you can count on just some horrible losses that make it look like your team is the worst team ever, um, and it just is part of the deal. 
Uh, every single season I have uh, watched the Denver Nuggets, they have had horrible losses to teams they sh- never should have lost to. Um, I'm thinking of the the uh, 2013 Nuggets. They lost to the New Orleans Pelicans, who are a dog-butt team that broke their 15-game uh, winning streak. Uh, I believe they were the Hornets back then, by the way. The, they lost to the Hornets. Um, they lost to the Washington Wizards during the month of January when they had uh, something in the neighborhood of 17 home games, uh, and they inexplicably lost to the to the a not a good Wizards team. And that year, they also lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, another team, another bad team they never should have lost to. Uh, I, I think it's hard for people to kind of take into consideration everything that they need to consider when it comes to. Uh, the marathon-like of the season. It's just, it, and inevitably, every team has bad losses. The Nuggets just lost to a, a Wizards team they never should have lost to. They lost to the Pelicans twice. And they lost to the, uh, the uh, 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 Atlanta Hawks at home. I'm sorry, I'm fumbling on my words here. Um, but they did. It happens. And the Nuggets, for all that, all that matters here, are 25-11, and 11 and are at the same pace they were last year, uh, which is, you know, good. <laughs> none, of this, none of this is bad. It is good. And I think what happens is that we, we get trained. We get trained to think that every game is, this thing should be a cakewalk, when, when in reality, when you get to January and... February, early February in particular, in the NBA before the All-Star break, it is just the dog days of the NBA calendar. The dog days. It's right in the middle where things are just, you're getting harder to, the games become a slog. Even when you play big teams and big, you know, supposedly good teams, it just is like, it is what it is. The NBA calendar becomes a lot more difficult in January and February because it's the dog days of the of the of the year of the season and it just is hard to constantly re, you know keep this level of of energy that you need through a season uh particularly when you get to that point in the calendar it's just, it just is what it is it's the ecology of the NBA now that being said uh, the Nuggets managed to right the ship, and Nikola Jokic had 47 points last night. It was a great performance, um, and it was one of those performances that he does occasionally. You know, he had 41 against the, uh, uh, I believe it was the Brooklyn Nets about three years ago, and I think it was, um, God, I did, what was it, the playoffs last year? He had 43 against San Antonio. Uh, it's just, you know, it is a, it, it, he's capable of doing that. And he just was one of those Nikola Jokic games where you see that he is the best center in basketball. Joel Embiid people do not come at me. He is the best center in basketball and he proved it in the playoffs last year. And this game against the Hawks, you know, wasn't a great opponent, but he really did go prove that what he is. Um, that being said, uh, one of the more frustrating aspects about Nikola Jokic is his body language. And I think that this also applies to head coach Michael Malone. And they are two sides of, a, of the same coin when it comes to horrible body language. 
And they both, since Nikola Jokic is the best player and Michael Malone is the head coach, they both put the team on a roller coaster. And it really has come into focus this year. And there was no better example of the struggle of body language and attitude than there was the Washington game that the Nuggets just lost. Um, And specifically, Nikola Jokic's horrible body language and Michael Malone's awful, awful body language. Both of them were, and it was like, if you're a team and your head coach and your best player um, are acting as if the world has ended, how are you going to follow? Uh, I'll start with Malone. Malone has a real problem with not letting the emotions of the game get to him. This has been a consistent thing that has he has suffered with since his first day as a coach in Sacramento, head coach in Sacramento. It is who he is. Um, there are things that he struggles with, and um, and if you're going to talk about the the biggest thing Michael Malone struggles with, it is not letting the emotions of the game get to him. Uh, you noticed in the second half of that game, I believe there was a stretch in a five-minute stretch where he called three timeouts in a row. I believe it was in the either the it was a early fourth quarter or late third quarter. And it was pretty clear at that point that the game was out of his control. And one of Malone's, and, and, and just, this is just based on watching him, one of his, the things that he does to gain control is calling timeout. Problem was, he would wildly gesticulate, throw his hands in the air, call a timeout, start ranting as he goes into the middle of the court to talk to his assistant coaches. Um, what should have been clear to him after the first time he did that was none of that was working. Uh, none of that was something that his players were responding to. And he should have stopped. Um, at some point, as a head coach, you have to understand the game is out of your control. And I think that is where Malone is really having a hard time adjusting. And this is the last thing he needs to do as a head coach is understand that as that level of control, acting demonstrative, acting, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying acting as in he's putting on an act. I do believe it's this is actual true. He has a hard time um, not letting those emotions get to him. And when it gets to that point, it was clear that the players were not paying attention to him at that point. If you're, if you're so demonstrative and, you so, and you're just out there yelling and you, you are making a show of yourself and nothing works, that thing you're doing is not working. So we'll shift over to Nikola Jokic. Uh, Nikola Jokic, like I said, bounced back. His body language was much better. Uh, he looked like he was having a little bit more fun. And I think people understand this at this point. Nikola Jokic uh, does have a problem with being looking mopey, looking like he's miserable sometimes. And he has it, he, it affects the team. Um, this team really, and, and imagine Michael Jordan, okay, Michael Jordan was always intense, right? Uh, there was a, he had a one thing. And so it's like if you're a team and you're used to Michael Jordan who was always intense and always trying to be competitive, always competitive and always being that certain thing, your team follows around 
his personality because he's that good. Your team follows that aspect. I mean, he was never the lead, leader of those bull teams, quote unquote, uh, Bulls teams, quote unquote. Uh, most accounts say that Bill Cartwright was the first go round, um, and Bill Cartwright was the one who rallied the troops and did all that. Um, but Michael Jordan was your best player, and your team's emotions follow your best player. Um, Nikola Jokic, when he's mopey, the team is mopey. And that's the best way I can describe Nikola Jokic at times, as he gets mopey. And I think sometimes he gets fouled a lot, and he just, he just lets it get to him. It just bothers him to the point where his body language, and you've seen it with Nikola Jokic, his shoulders slump. Uh, maybe that effort he was giving reduces by a quarter to half. And it becomes a self-perpetuating problem because his body language means that he complains more to the refs. The more complaints he gets to the refs, the less calls he gets. The less calls he gets means he gets fouled more. And it just becomes this big circle. <laughs> and it doesn't work. And, and, is, and with Nikola Jokic's worst games... You can see how much the emotion of the game in that aspect gets to him. And he's worked on it. And I think, I mean, to give him credit, to give him credit, it's not as bad this year as it's been in past. But it's more noticeable this year because the team is better. So when he gets, and since this team follows his emotions, Michael Malone also follows his. And both of them, that Washington game, you could tell even after the Nuggets fought back in that game, you could tell they were just both miserable. They were both absolutely miserable. Um, Nicole Jokic is a guy that, let's face it, needs the game to be fun. And Michael Malone is a guy that rides high on an emotion of a good win. And he struggles with overwhelming negativity when there's a loss. I think he did, in my view, Malone, if he had, it was one, I mean, it, it, he sometimes says stuff post-game that I think he would not, he would, in, with the benefit of thinking, and usually it's a day later, he gets better with it. Um, with Nikola Jokic, it just takes him not letting the constant fouling get to him, which I think is the main problem he's having right now. Uh, if anyone has seen his arms and pictures of his arms, you'll see that the man gets cut, the man gets scratched, the man bleeds more than any person in the league. And I'm sure if it was me, I would let that, it would get to me. I would let that get to me, but I'm not an NBA player. Um, Nikola Jokic, uh, this is one of those situations where someone has to get to him and say, look, this stuff's going to go on, and you're just going to have to fight for, through it. Because the more you fight, I mean, look at Shaquille O'Neal. And I've said this over and over. Shaquille O'Neal uh, changed the way the NBA fundamentally, fundamentally, his 2000 and 2001 seasons, fundamentally changed the way the NBA is refed. Um, it was very clear that the NBA could not properly um, officiate Shaquille O'Neal. Um, you could argue that the times that he could have been, um, they could have called fouls on the person guarding him more than they did, believe it or not. He was a physical force that backed people down. 
Uh, he did move his feet too much. I think he got away with traveling a lot. Um, but you could say that he was so dominant, he got fouled constantly. Constantly. And one of the reasons the NBA changed its illegal defense rules is because they couldn't properly officiate Shaquille O'Neal. And the NBA is a cup coming to it. There's getting a problem coming up right now with James Harden to where I feel the NBA is going to change some major rules because they can't officiate properly James Harden as, as essayed by the great comments from Steve Kerr um, a while back. But setting that aside, Nikola Jokic is another one of those players. Nikola Jokic gets fouled constantly, constantly. And I know for a fact that the, the Denver Nuggets uh, are very aware, aware of this and wish that the NBA would do other things than and, and instruct their referees to watch it. Because Nikola Jokic is involved into a post player, and the NBA rules hate post play. And referees now are not used to a guy being that dominant particularly when he backs someone down in the post. And it now is, has, it has come full circle back to where it was, where maybe rules need to be adjusted. But in the grand scheme of things, until whatever needs to happen, happens. And I'm using Nikola Jokic and James Harden as, as kind of the crux of this. Something is going to need to change in the NBA. And until that happens, Nikola Jokic has got to accept that he's going to be cut, he's going to be scratched, and he's going to bleed. He's going to have to accept it. Because his body language gets so bad, and his overall demeanor gets so bad, it affects the team. Go back and watch, and I encourage you, those of you who have DVR, and those of you who have that Nuggets game that they played against the, the Wizards on the DVR, Watch that game and watch how bad Jokic's body language was in the second quarter through the rest of the game. Even when the Nuggets fought back. It was awful. And the entire team followed suit. The entire team became mopey. They didn't fight as hard. And it was, it's, it's, you're only as good as your best player. And Jokic let the emotions of the game get to him. You could tell he was miserable and the Nuggets therefore were miserable, and the game followed suit. The next game against Atlanta, he had 47 points, came out and was determined, despite the fact that he was fouled into oblivion by many Hawks players, he came out and imposed his will on that team, knew that he could, and dominated in a way that we haven't seen for a long time in the regular season from Nikola Jokic on a point-scoring level. He did it because he knew he could do it. And the team followed suit. Uh, the Nuggets led, I think, most of the game uh, after the first quarter and uh, basically pulled away in the second half because Jokic was that guy. That's what needs to happen going forward. And I think if the Nuggets are going to do anything, the realization that Jokic needs to, Jokic and Malone need to have a steadier pulse for the betterment of their team will be better. All right. Well, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. I will be back soon. Uh, thank you for joining me on actually the first podcast of the 2020 year. I can't believe it's 2020. Ninth year of CSG, baby. 
Talk to you all later.